Well, good afternoon. It is so good for us to be gathered back together again this afternoon, once more to join our hearts in praise and worship to God, to study from His Word, the Bible. And this is important since we have no other way of knowing the will of God except through the way in which He has recorded it for us, revealed it to us through His Word. Uh, and, and again, as we go throughout uh, this service, I will make the, the request that I've made this morning um, that the PowerPoint projector, as we, as we cast it up onto the wall, don't pay attention to the, the texture of, of the sheet. The, <laughs> just, just looking for your, your thoughts on the location of the PowerPoint. So again, I, I do covet your opinions. Uh, somebody brought that to me today. Said it's just my opinion. That's what I want. I want to know your opinions on this. This is uh, going to be beneficial to all of us. Now, as we gather together to study from God's Word, it is apparent that there are many today who reject God's Word. They reject the religion of Christ, and a lot of times the reason is because they have an improper view of the Bible. To many, they look at this book. They, they look at what we have here, and they see it as a book full of "Thou shalt nots." These are full of things that you just you shouldn't be doing. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do you can't do anything. And whenever they do that, when we, when we, when we fall into the, the guilt of looking at the Bible as a book of thou shalt not, what we wind up doing is missing a whole lot of what is really there to help us. A lot of times when people look at the Bible and they say, it's just full of things that I shouldn't do, they think to themselves, well, I already abstain from things that I shouldn't do. I don't murder anybody. I don't commit adultery. I'm not a cheater. I don't steal what good do I have with a book that tells me not to do these things? I don't need to read that book. I'm already not doing those things. And so they have no need for a book like the Bible. They have no need for a submission to God. Sadly, there are those who even claim to be Christians today. And they show that they believe the same way because of, by their actions. Refrain, refraining from doing things that they, that they know that God has forbidden, yet for uh, failing to do that which God has commanded of them. Again, they look at the Bible as just a big list of things that you just, here, here's a bunch of stuff that's on this side with the big red X. You can't do these things. These things are bad. The Bible indicates, though, different ways in which we can disobey God. And that's what we're going to look at this afternoon. Five different ways that we can disobey our Lord. And since the Bible indicates these ways in which we can disobey God, reflecting on those can be very beneficial to us to help us understand them better and to prepare ourselves to avoid the pitfalls of sin. The first one that I want to notice the Bible talks about is that one that everybody seems to really understand, and that is the Bible does forbid certain things. There are things that which are we are forbidden to do. And doing those things that are forbidden absolutely is sin. God has just outright said there are things that you will not be a part of. And that is that is probably no what no place greater signified than the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter two in verses 16 through 17, we read here, let's go ahead and start in verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And then the Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely Die. He told Adam that there is something you cannot do, and there is a curse tied to, tied to this. If you do which, that which I've forbidden you to do, you will surely die. 
This kind of sin that we see here, because that's exactly what happens over in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, isn't very long. In verse 6 we read, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. God said, You cannot do this. And yet we see very shortly Adam and Eve both doing this. They sinned. And this kind of sin is known as a sin of commission. When we commit an act which God has specifically forbidden. Now there are many today who are in the same boat as Adam and Eve. Doing that which God has expressly forbidden. Turn over to the book of Colossians for a moment. In Colossians chapter 3, we read a whole lot about some things that God has forbidden. Starting in verse 5, it says, Therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead, to immorality, to uh, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from, the ma- from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and have put on a new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. God has said these are things that should be put to death. He is forbidding this type of behavior in this new self that we have, which is renewed in the knowledge in the image of our creator. So whenever we, whenever we willingly just go ahead and do these things, well, I'm just going to be immoral, uh, filled with immorality. I'm going to have impurity and evil desires, and I'm going to lie and use abusive speech. When we have this sort of mindset, we are doing that which God has forbidden us to do. And we must realize that still brings about the curse placed on Adam and Eve, the curse of spiritual death. So absolutely, that is in the Bible, doing things which is forbidden, doing things that God has said don't do. That is one way in which we sin, but there are so many other ways that we can be disobedient to God. Another one is refusing to do what he has commanded. This was something that the Pharisees were very guilty of. Look over in Luke chapter 7. In Luke chapter 7. Luke 7 and verse 29 and 30. Here we read, When all the people... And the tax collectors heard this. They acknowledged God's justice, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purpose for themselves, not having been baptized by John. This was something the Pharisees were guilty of. They were guilty of rejecting the counsel of God in respect to the baptism of John. And being from heaven, John's baptism was to be obeyed. And they knew this. Jesus uh, talked to them about this in Matthew 21. In Matthew 21, verses 23 through 27, when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him while he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? And Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John was from what source? From heaven or from men? 
And they began reasoning among themselves, saying, well, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Then why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the people, for they all regard John as a prophet. And answering Jesus, they said, well, We do not know. And he also said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority do I do these things. They had been disobedient to God because they failed to do what God had commanded them, what he wanted them to do. That was the counsel of God, was for them to listen to the, uh, and, and to receive the, the baptism of John. And so in this, we see a sin of omission. Whenever they omitted something that God had commanded them to do, a failure to do that which God has commanded, more than likely, more will likely be lost to this type of sin than any other type of sin. For the non-Christian, God, uh, they disobey God when they refuse to submit to him in obedience to the gospel of Christ. Over in Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, a passage we probably have very well memorized. Acts 17 verse 30 Paul, uh, Peter, excuse me, I'll get it right. Paul says, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. That's something that God is requiring from all people. And for the, for the non-Christian, they disobey God when they refuse to submit to him in obedience. But for the Christian, we fail God when we fail to do that, uh, the good works that he created us in Christ to do. Turn over to Titus. Over in Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, read with me here in verse 14. said, Who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. That is something that we were created to do, to, to do these good deeds and to be zealous to do those. And so the point that we see here is that one can do nothing. Have that mindset of that which God has forbidden. I'm, just, I'm not going to do those things that God has forbidden. I'm not going to do anything. One can do nothing and therefore never do the things that God forbid and still be eternally lost because they're not doing the things which God has commanded. Now another way in which we can disobey God is to add to the word of God. Over in Revelation chapter 22, we are warned of the dangers of this. Adding to the word of God. Revelation 22, verse 18 says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. We should notice what sin really is, a way that sin is looked at in the Bible. Over in 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, we read just a little bit about what sin is in verse 4. 1 John 3, verse 4 says, Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. So to sin is to do that which is lawless. Therefore, to act where there is no law. That is to say, when we are acting where, there, where we have no authority in which to act, we sin. This is because we act or we speak where God has not spoken. That is a sin of presumption. It's exactly what, the, what, what Nadab and Abihu were, were guilty of back over in Leviticus. In Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, when we see Nadab and Abihu using this strange fire, and verse 1 says, Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective fire pans, and after putting fire in them, placed incense on it, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. And then Moses said to Aaron, It is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy. And before all the people, I will be honored. 
When one acts without divine authority, they presume to know God's will aside from that which he has revealed to us. They presume to speak on behalf of God. And this is insolence. This is, this is treating God as if he were, were, were not holy. And God sees it as intolerable, as made very obvious in this passage. This is not something that God will tolerate. And as seen in the account that we just read, God looks at this and is not pleased. That's why we see over in 2 John chapter 9, <clears throat> 2 John chapter 9, that by, by doing so, by going beyond the Scripture, by going beyond and, and going without the authority of God, we give up both God and Christ. 2 John verse 9, here we read, Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in teaching has both the Father and the Son. So we can be very guilty by adding to the Word of God we can be very guilty in such a way that we no longer even have God or Christ with us. Another way is obviously the obvious, uh, opposite of this is the taking from the Word of God. Revelation 22 verse 19 goes on to say, If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. For many, however, the temptation is very strong to say, You know, I, I just don't believe certain parts that are in the Bible. Maybe you've heard of the Jefferson Bible before. Thomas Jefferson, I believe, I believe I'm remembering that right. Thomas Jefferson took his, his knife and he went through the Bible and he said, I, I can't reconcile this passage with my beliefs. And he cut it out, pulled that out of his Bible. And he went to another passage. I, I can't reconcile this passage with my beliefs. And he cut it out. And before long, he had a Bible that looked like Swiss cheese, but it made him happy. This is this I can reconcile. I can stand in line with this Bible. And obviously we look at that and say, whoa, you are taking from the Word. But you know, there are times when people today look at things and say, you know, I just, I just can't stand some of the things that Paul said. Paul was obviously just a, a chauvinistic pig. He was, he was a woman hater. And so I don't like those parts of the Bible. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not going to read those parts of the Bible. I'm not going to have a part of that. But that stuff there the Bible says about marriage. There's no way that that can be right. Look at the way men, uh, look at the way people are today. They are different in the way that they marry people of their same sex or how common divorce is. You know what? All this is just referring to a different place and a different time and different people, and that's just how I'm going to view it. You see, we can leave the passages in our Bible. We don't have to physically cut them out and remove them. We can leave the passage in there, and we can still take away from the authority that they have, the power that they have, and be just as guilty by taking from the Word of God. Adding to the Word of God, taking from the Word of God, those two are very similar. But one more that we want to look at this afternoon is substituting for what God commanded. Now, we read just a little bit earlier. <clears throat> we read just a little bit earlier about Nadab and Abihu and how they substituted fire, which God had not commanded. And what harm could that, could that possibly have, right? We saw the harm that that had. Their, their lives were ended because of that. But another instance in where a substitution was made a substitution with, which maybe had a, a really uh, strong view behind it of, the, of being the right thing to do. Turn over to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 15. First Samuel chapter 15. And here we're going to, talk, we're going to read about Saul. Who said, I know God said destroy all of these things. But I, I could offer up these things as a great sacrifice to him. Surely that would please God. First Samuel chapter 15 
In verse 1, Then Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you as king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for, the, for what he did to Israel. How he set himself against him on the way while he was coming up from Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has. Do not spare him. Put to death both men and women, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. And Saul summoned the people and numbered them in, in Tulane, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and sat on an, an ambush in the valley. Saul said to the Canaanites, Go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites, so that I do not destroy you with them, for you showed kindness to all the sons of Israel. When they came up from Egypt, so the Canaanites departed from the Amalekites, uh, from Havilah, as they go to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were not willing to destroy them utterly, but everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. We see here in verses 1 through 9 that what God had commanded him to do, and Saul, Saul doesn't do everything he commands. Why on earth would Saul not do that? As we skip on down to verse 13, we find out Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed, blessed are you of the Lord. I have carried out the command of the Lord. Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowering, the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but the rest we have utterly destroyed. So we see Saul's logic and that logic fits so very well in, in many of our minds today. Maybe God has commanded something, but look at how good and how right this might be if I did it this way, or if I did this instead of that. And again, in, some, in the same manner, one presumes to have a better knowledge of God's will than even he himself. If God had wanted the sacrifices, we have to ask ourselves, don't we think God would have been capable of saying to Samuel, have Saul save some of these things to sacrifice to me? But he didn't ask for that. He asked for the utter destruction of everything there. Let's continue reading in verse 20. Verse 20, Then Saul said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord, and went on the mission on which the Lord sent me, and having brought back Agag the king of Amalek, and having utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen, and choices of things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Now one thing I have to hand to Saul is that he sticks to his guns. He's not changing his story. He's, he said, no, well, listen, I, I really did do what God told me to do. Well, yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't destroy everything, but I, I, I was going to, and the people wanted to just keep some, but we're going to offer it up for an offering. We're going to do something good with it. I know what is good. But in verse 22, Samuel says, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice. And to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination. And insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. It's very important for us to realize there are many ways in which we can disobey God. And understanding that disobedience is sin and sin brings forth death. And understanding that, we need to see that it's, it's not just that the Bible is full of a, a book full of things that says this is what you're not going to do. Yes, they are there. Those things are there. We are to avoid that which God has forbidden. We're to not do that which is forbidden. 
We are to do that which God has commanded. We are, we are told never to take anything away from the Word, never to add our own things to the Word, and to avoid substituting anything for which God has commanded. And now this afternoon, if any, of these, if any of these describe you or they describe me, maybe we've been partaking in that, which God has said, you know, you have no part partaking in. Or maybe we have not been faithful to the commandments of the Lord when He has said, do this, and we have not done it. And I know no easy way to say, no easy way to say this is then you are being disobedient. And I have to look at myself. I have to say, if, if, if any of these, those things that we looked at, if I'm, if I'm guilty of any of those things, I'm being disobedient. And there is a curse visited upon us. The same curse that was visited upon Adam and on Eve is visited upon sinners today, and that is death. But then again, we read of a hope. We read about it there in Acts chapter 17 and verse 30. Because we read there that God, he, he's, he's not going to overlook ignorance, but He is going to accept repentance. Turn from our sins of disobedience. If we've never before done that, if we've never before followed the command of Christ as spoken of uh, by the apostles and uh, by His apostle Peter, to be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, I want you to know we can assist with that this morning. But whatever our need, this afternoon, whatever our need may be, uh, that, that we might have this afternoon. Maybe, maybe we have found ourselves falling into disobedience to the Lord and we are requiring the prayers of the saints here. Maybe we've done something that has brought reproach upon the church and we want to come forward and let the church know about that and ask for prayers of forgiveness to be offered on our behalf. Whatever it might be, I want you to know that we stand here ready to assist, full of love and, and, and full of, of encouragement. Whatever we can do to, to assist you in that matter, I want you to please let it be known right now as we stand and as we sing.